Well, hello, everybody. If man about you was a final frontier, we're traveling outside of time and space here. So let's break it down now. It's just what we do. It's mad about, mad about you. Welcome to another episode of Mad About, Mad About You. It is ours and yours. It is a weekly recap podcast for a show that is no longer on weekly, but the show is called Mad About You. My name is Russ Fader. <laughs> I'm John Marvelly. John, it's weird to watch this show on a week-by-week basis, right? Like with DVDs? It's weird to watch any show not seven hours at a time in 2017. Yes. Yeah, sure. I knew what the plan was to watch this show one episode per week Uh and do a podcast about it and yet somehow still when i bought the box set i was like okay so we'll blow through this in like a week and a half (laughs) i mean listen this is how people should watch this show this Um, is how all sitcoms should be watched sitcoms aren't made to be binge watched i think that's true i know it's true (laughs) all right i know it's true i'm not looking for a confrontation here me neither How has your week been, John? Uh, bro, pretty fun. Pretty fun. <laughs> I'm sorry to tell you the questions are only going to get harder. It's been up and down. Right. It's been it's been up and I down. I mean, it's all okay. been up, but like, oof. It's been all up until right now. I mean, I went to Grauman's uh, Chinese Theater on uh, Monday. Oh, you told me that it was going to happen. It was maybe. the 90th anniversary screening. John Landis gave a very funny speech. 90th anniversary screening of... Did I say screening? Yes. I misspoke. It was the 90th anniversary of the theater. Oh, okay. They screened the movie Cleopatra by Cecil B. DeMille from 1934, starring Claudette Colbert. Ooh. That's pretty awesome. Ooh, it was great. It was packed. Yeah? Wow. Uh, and there were so many, like, octogenarians in, like, cocktail dresses from the 40s and fun hats in attendance. I was going to make fun of a theater full of octogenarians, but now... No, I mean, that's what yeah. it was. It's... Oh, it sounds so great now. Listen, Film idea. Society <laughs> stuff is the only place in L.A. where you feel like you're in New York. I like that. Because you have people from... 20 to like 100, all in the same room, and they're all geeking out on something. It's That's like, really cool. Yeah, you know? I like it. Oh, it's great. What about you? I'm on board. I'm good. I don't think that much happened with me this past week. I'm, so- I'm sorry to say. That's okay. Yeah. No, had a good, fun improv show last night. Yeah, it's a really good time. It's good to be getting into a, a, a new round of shows with my new team. Sure, Squash, yeah. is, squash is full of good people. Good. Yeah, we laugh a lot. I like it a lot. Well, that's the important (laughs) thing. Yeah, yeah, it's a good time. It's fun, like, just, you know, the night starts at 7 and ends at 11, and it's just like, I've I've been doing it long enough that I now know a lot of people there. Yeah, it's like a weekly party for you. Kind of, yeah. It's just every week, hey, 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 and that's fun. Yeah, it's a weekly singing party. It's pretty fun. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) it's probably not funny to listen to me talk about now. No, it's not at all. Well, it's not a funny story. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but heartwarming sure uh this is mad about mad about you your weekly heartwarming podcast where we try not to be funny and so far so good <laughs> oh my god uh tonight the role of russ fader we played by eeyore <laughs> this sad improv donkey <laughs> <laughs> this sad improv donkey okay so <laughs> We watched. I mean, I, are you doing one. a different voice? Because I can't even tell. We, we. Oh, uh, I can see where that would be funny. This is exactly how it we felt wa- so far. <laughs> <laughs> no difference. Ru- 
Russ, you're pretty high energy tonight. <laughs> so we watched season one, episode 14. Weekend Getaway. About you. Oh, Weekend, sorry. No, Weekend Getaway. That's the name of it. Aired on January um, 27th, 1993. It surely did. We had a week off last week. Yeah. No mad about you. None. People must what did have you been... do on your What did you do on your week off? Oh, I did a little reading on uh, President Clinton, our new president. Okay. And, uh Sure. I uh, went to the Gap and bought some cool new clothes. Great. <laughs> and I uh, took a computer class <laughs> about computers, and uh, I think it's the future. <laughs> Great. Yeah. That sounds really good. Yeah, it was good. I visited my cousin. He's got a Prodigy account. You'll find out what that is later. Oh, I can't wait. It's like, uh, yeah, you'll see. It's fun. Yeah. Anyway, so. Oh, TV Guide. What did TV Guide have to say? I tell you what, they must have fired last week's guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They must have had that talk because they... Numero Uno is back in his seat. Good. Thank goodness. With a pen with low ink because that's all he needs. <laughs> a weekend in the country has Jamie wanting to move there. Oh, man. I mean. Paul doesn't even come up. Doesn't need to. He's implicit. He's implicit. They're a unit. They're one. He's he's uh, completely immaterial to this story. This is Jamie's arc. Well, sure. But <laughs> in a sense, Jamie's arc is Paul's arc. Paul's arc is Jamie's arc. They're married. I guess. And TV true. Guide is a puritanical publication. <laughs> <laughs> As everyone knows. <laughs> yeah, clearly. It was always weird to me that the Christian Science Monitor's movie reviews were used for publicity. You know what I mean? <laughs> sure. Like why? Sure. How do they? How do they? You know, elbow their way up to the like Rolling Stone, <laughs> USA Today, Cisco and Ebert, or uh, uh, whoever the other one, Roper. Oh, Roper. not even Ebert. Oh my gosh. Hey, <laughs> I don't know. Okay, well, whatever. And then Christian Science Monitor. <laughs> Who cares what they have to say? A lot of people, I'll bet. Not yeah, but only Christian scientists. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, but also probably. I mean. Do non-Christian scientists, but still Christians, take heed or no? Because pay attention. I, I, fa- our family is Christian. We don't care about the Christian Science Monitor. And you speak on behalf of all Christians. So, <laughs> so that settles that. Uh, you know, I feel stupid for even suggesting. No, it. Russ, it's a black and white issue. <laughs> the world's a lot simpler than you think. I guess you're right. So what was uh, what was on TV? What did we miss? Oh boy, oh boy, it was fun. I think we're going to call this segment. I had this idea. We don't have to do it. This is our segment called Must Hear TV. <sighs> we'll keep working on it. No, I don't know. It's not bad. No, you love it. So we'll stick with it. <laughs> I don't hate it. It might be okay. great. It might be great. Tweet at us or don't hear this because we will have edited it out. Nope. So <laughs> 10 p.m. on ABC. We've got a new comedy drama show. New show. Short-lived show called <laughs> Going to Extremes. A brand new show. We love these. Mm-hmm. 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 This is an ensemble piece. I think it's an ensemble piece. It's the, Well, it's definitely an ensemble piece. <laughs> hey, well, Russ, look, is it an ensemble piece? Here's where, here's where I get confused by this. Right. I recognized two names. Okay. But I really only recognized one. I recognized the name Erica Alexandra. Okay. Does that name ring a bell to you? No. She play, She was on Living Separately, Single. they do. <laughs> the names Erica and Alexandra <laughs> yeah. mean things to you, but not together? No. And in that order? <laughs> okay. 
yeah, Ale- Living Erica Single. Erica Alexander was on Living Single. That was the one after the Fa- Cosby show, right? I believe it was after Martin. Okay, I don't know. But whatever, right. we were kids, yeah. Yeah, but since you are since you mentioned the Cosby show, uh-huh. she was also on the Cosby show. Oh, who was she? She played Cousin Pam in the late oh, seasons. Oh, I don't remember. Don't judge. Don't oh. you? <laughs> <laughs> It's a, pish posh. No, it's just I, I disappointment in, in me. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry I didn't delight you with that fact. Yeah, no, I don't <laughs> remember. This this is irrelevant to me. Sorry. You all can listen. I'm going to go. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to step outside. So I recognize that name. The other name in this is Joanna Going. Interesting. Does that name ring a bell? Definitely not. But that is a name where if I heard it once, I would never forget it. She apparently was on the show Kingdom. Oh, she was on House of Cards. Yes. The first lady on House of Cards. The first lady? I, what? Oh, for the first president? Or either either the first lady or a first lady. I do not know. I have not seen House of Cards. No, that's weird because that, uh, he ain't yeah. president. Uh, you know what? I don't even remember. Yeah, Robin Wright is his wife. Yeah, show, right? yeah, but he don't become yeah. he don't become who am I, David Mamet? He don't become he don't become president <laughs> till uh, season three, maybe. I th- I don't remember or the end of season two. Okay, and she's right. the first lady before that. She also played Arlene on Mad Men. Who's that? I cannot remember. I believe she slept with Don Draper. Oh boy. Well, let me... I'm not one hundred percent, but I believe. But here's the thing about her is that her name. This is why I'm confused about whether or not it's an ensemble piece, because her name is Joanna Going. The show is called Going to Extremes. I really want this to be a feature. A vehicle? Yeah. yeah. Where they're going to break out Joanna Going <laughs> and turn this into her Cosby show. Right. And <laughs> so, yeah, I don't think that that's what wound up happening. I think it's just a coincidence. That's it, I see. It would have been a star was, vehicle, not an ensemble. Exactly. However, um, it is definitely an ensemble of doctors. It, yes, it is an ensemble of doctors who are stu- they're medical students undergoing training on a tropical island, the fictional island of Jantique. Why? Are they bad? Why there? Is that a bad assumption? It's true, though, right? If you're going to medical school on a random island. Yeah, it's probably not great. I mean, random, also fictional. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you could tell what it's supposed to be, right? Like Aruba. Yeah, it takes it was shot in Jamaica. Oh, boom. I, right. Um, yeah. Is it bad to it say was, that? Uh, so we have there's better medical schools than the ones in Jamaica. Right. I think you could say that. Pro- yeah, yeah. You could say that there are better medical schools than the ones in Jamaica. Yes, you're still you're still above board. Listen, when I pick doctors out, I become like a, a dotty old 75. I, I become Donald Trump. <laughs> Unabashedly. Aren't we all allowed yeah. one prejudice? <laughs> yeah, but this is your one. So yeah. <laughs> if I hear anything else. Well, good, because that's the only one I have. Well, like, well good. <laughs> it was created by the, the team behind uh, Northern Exposure. Oh, that makes elsewhere. sense. Yeah, and they kind of tried to do Northern Exposure in the islands. Which one? That's not the one with the snow globe, right? St. Elsewhere, yes. That is the one with the kid in the snow globe, yes. No, but you just said not St. Elsewhere. What, what is it? I said Northern Exposure. Yeah, those aren't related. Uh, they're done by the same uh, team. Oh. Creative team. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So how, yeah. what's the finale of going to extremes? They zoom out, and they're, they're just all part of a big, like, thatch roof. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's just a mosaic and a thatch roof. Uh huh. I'm the series finale. I'm sad which was that you didn't mention this earlier. What that you, episode that you... three? <laughs> oh 
Oh, the fact that when I said, yeah, the fact that when I said I watched going or that uh, going to extremes is on, you didn't say, oh, the thatched roof show. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I was out of the country for a lot of these things. That's true. (laughs) Yeah, Entertainment Weekly wrote a little thing about it. They said the series is an irregularly beating endeavor from a creative team masterful at medical drama, but novices like all first world visitors at the intersection of Hollywood requirements and third world realities. The characters are the show's neural network. Jean-Tique is the heart. Oh, okay. Yeah. And they were like, they also said in the article, they got to get the neural net. When, when the characters are the neural network, that's not great for a show. <laughs> well, what do you mean? That's good. Yeah, but... Oh, uh, like, were they using it in the, the classically, city, the, the you know, pejorative neural network? Yeah. <laughs> uh, first of all, I, I would love to see the pejorative neural network in concert. Sounds like a really good show. <laughs> but I don't know, man. I... <laughs> well, I can tell you one thing. You are not excited about this new show at all. <laughs> I'm I'm what not what I'm not, not excited. excited. This is not sp- your no. Space Rangers or your Hat Squad. It's not going to work out too well at all, and uh, it didn't bode too well for the show either. It Though didn't make it for to everybody. be honest, it got way more episodes than the, your two other loves. So that's true. But couldn't find anything long on YouTube. That is the most telling. Yeah, no not devotees even out there. No, I'll tell you something else. It's not on Wikipedia. Ouch! Like it's listed. I was looking that was the that was the one thing that made me think, oh, oh, this is not this is not a Joanna going vehicle because I went to her Wikipedia page and it's got a huge list of all of her credits and the one thing that isn't a hyperlink not, yeah, is right. going to extreme. Oh, that is that is one of the harshest things that's ever been said on this podcast. <laughs> wow. Here's something fun though. Seventeen episodes, I, couldn't get it on the Wikipedia. When I looked on IMDb, one of the names of the directors is Michael Lang. Michael Lang is a guy who directs stuff still out in L.A. He is a graduate from George Washington University. Uh I have met him several times. He and I have something of a relationship. So if I wanted to, I'll bet I could talk to him about his experiences working on Going to Extremes. Probably go for it. Yeah. Get us a scoop about the show you don't care for. Yeah. So we've got that book. Yeah, I'll call in that favor uh, yeah. to talk about a boring show from 25 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just be like, hey, the show seems boring to me. Can you uh, explain to me why it was uh, a worthwhile endeavor? And it'll be like, no, I can't. I did one episode in 1982. <laughs> There's also a character. Selby is Selby's last name, right? Selby's last name, yes. He is Jay Selby. Well, an actress named Camilo Gallardo played a character named Kim Selby on Extreme Measures. And I can't help but think... Interesting. Selby, after going to the Museum of Natural History and with his grandmother, skipped town, mm-hmm. went to a made-up island, and married a local med student. You know, that that could be. It's one of these passive we'll crossovers. I'm pretty shows. sure he's on... Yeah. Well, we'll see him... I mean, we'll see him later on in this episode of Mad About You. We will? Selby? He's in this, isn't he? I can't tell if you're joking. I'm joking. Oh, thank God. I thought I watched the wrong episode or something, uh, which would be crazy because no. we already got this far. <laughs> it didn't, it couldn't tell. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, I was so freaked out. <laughs> no, he was not in this episode. He's probably on that island. For now. Yeah, he'll come back. Yeah. Anything else? Anything else on must no, TV? 
that's it on must hear TV. I don't. Like we are it. really we're beating it. Huh? We're we're we're, <laughs> we're beating it to death. Yeah, we're all we also really hard. stretching the meaning of must. Yeah. <laughs> on this one. Yeah, you must hear about this dumb show. I don't care about. <laughs> what happened in the news, John? Oh, what didn't? Listen, as all of you know, start start with what did. <laughs> it'll be longer. <laughs> Because as you guys know, you give me two weeks, you give me two weeks of news and I just can't help myself. <laughs> I, I had to. Oh, here we go. Oh, this one was a deep dive. I, I fell way too deep down. Uh, recalling a friend, no matter his name. So this is a guy that died. <laughs> 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 January 27, 1993. With a blanket of flowers and his weather beaten hat to top the coffin, Travis, the homeless man who lived in and around Central Park Boathouse for more than a decade and became French protector and resident philosopher for scores of park regulars, was buried yesterday in a wooded cemetery in East Hanover, New Jersey. And it was basically this guy who was a mainstay of the boathouse in Central Park. Okay. He would draw, he would make a little, you know, little models, like boat models and stuff. And yeah. uh, I guess people knew him. So people like raised money for his burial. And like had a funeral for him in the city. People like some Broadway guys came down and like saying this guy, Tim Shu saying, bring him home from my Miz, which he was in at the time oh, on Broadway. Oh. Like it was just this big, like sort of little New York funeral for this anonymous drifter kind of. Well, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. They said maybe he killed someone at some point. <laughs> less nice. Yeah. Like a detective did a little research on him just to see. And I guess he has a bit of a check past maybe. But, you know. You say the detective did a, a little bit of research. In my head, he went home and did a Google search on this guy. Right, <laughs> right, right. You, yeah, no, not he that. He did what he did what you do. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the guy. Oh, the, oh no, Miss Dumont said this. He said he killed somebody once in Atlanta in a barroom brawl when he was a young man. He insisted it wasn't his fault, and he spent time in jail. So you know. Okay. Yeah. Right. Do I, yeah. Okay. Now, well, Dateline. Bless. <laughs> Go ahead. About New York, chutzpah therapy for New Yorkers. You're a weird guy, John. As Joyce Berry <laughs> sees it, people in New York are not nearly as outrageous as they ought to be. And she's saying this in 93, when New Yorkers were nuts. Yeah. But you know, sure. compared to now. Mm -hmm. So God knows what she's looking for. From her perspective, <laughs> being outrageous or even ridiculous can be a very good thing. In this view, she's not alone. In fact, she's surrounded by six people who have each paid her $495 for a course. She calls it a play shop on how to be less serious. After almost three days of play, body movement exercise, charades, improvisation, coloring with crayons, it's now graduation night. This basically sounds like a predecessor to like improv classes. Improv classes. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, this is this sounds okay. It, it occurred We're, in a photographer's I'll take, I'll take this. It occurred in a photographer's loft on West 37th Street. And but this woman uh that ran it, Joyce Berry, is this deeply fascinating like uh life coach. Mm -hmm. They describe some of the kooky acts that her students did, but who cares? Because I'm fascinated by Barry. Her credits sure. Her credentials are, and experience are impressive. There was, for instance, the day that she competed in a Michael Jackson lookalike contest. Quote, mm. there I was, overweight, white, and looking like a Jewish mother, said Miss Barry, who is, well, overweight and white and maternal. <laughs> I've got the costume down perfectly, and I've got the moves. The contest organizers are knocked out when I show up, but I'm funny, and I win them over. I compete, <laughs> and I win the $1,000 prize. <laughs> Before she first began offering help to the unoutrageous in 79, she was a stockbroker 
I was very successful and I had fun, she said before explaining the phone technique that took her past the protectiveness of executive secretaries to solicit sales from their bosses. I would say, just tell them this is Joyce. I know he'll remember. (laughs) (laughs) It was all in the voice, she said. And then at the end of this article, and I really want to know if this happened, she said, I des- she's looking for a man to marry. I decided I'm ready. I want to find the man of my dreams for- by my birthday, which is May 2nd, and to be married by New Year's Eve. She sent okay. out releases announcing her quest to 8,000 newspapers and radio stations in time for Valentine's Day. Casting a wide net. Yeah. I like it. So I... She's a go-getter. I fell down a deep K-hole with her. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. And she has a podcast. Get out of Absolutely. here. Absolutely. Joycey Berry. And her birthday was like yesterday. Uh, and she had a special birthday episode. And I listened to a lot of it. <laughs> she lives in West Palm or uh yeah, West Palm Beach, somewhere in Florida that's a little ritzy, I think. And sure. uh I'm just gonna play for everyone, if I may, assuming they don't come after us with a suit, <laughs> the <laughs> theme song to this podcast. Welcome to Joyce Barry and Friends the number one worldwide radio show. The show's outrageous and it's contagious. It will lift your spirits high. You'll feel that you can fly. Transform your attitude. Fill it with gratitude. Cut loose and improvise. It's coaching time today. Joyce is a great coach with an extraordinary approach. Fast on the upbeat, top of the heap. A wild motivator, great stimulator. Unstoppable in a humoristic way. Life lessons with passion, joyfully today. You want Joyce as your coach if you want this to be your best year ever. Coach Joyce here. I want this to be your best year ever. So when we were setting up, you were whistling comedy tonight. Yes, that is why it was stuck in my head. And I was just thinking, oh, John's whistling comedy tonight from a funny thing happened on the way to the forum. Russ, How interesting. I don't know what you're talking about. I was whistling the introduction to Joyce Perry and Friends, <laughs> the podcast. So that happened. You heard that and then you wa- you listened to a lot more. Her first guest was her psychic. And this episode... <laughs> Who is just an old, because uh, you know, my ASMR is old Jews talking. And this is like <laughs> the most Jewish woman <laughs> who's like a little older talking to this even older Jewish man who's her psychic. And like each person basically just calls up and like praises her because <laughs> it's her birthday. Oh. And it's an hour. And also, it's a daily podcast, and you can call in. It's a daily podcast? Yes, and you can call in from 11 to noon Eastern Standard, and I really want to call in and talk to her. So we'll see. You get your director. I'll get Joyce Berry. <laughs> we'll be back here. We both have homework. I mean, what a world. Holy cow. What a world, right? This is great. It's, uh, I mean, it's such, ugh, ugh. This, uh, John, I swear to God, just now, I could not, I was just like, how did we start talking about this woman? Like, No, that's what happened to me. (laughs) I spent an hour last night just on that, and I thought, oh, what am I doing? What am I, what am I here for? Oh, right. Mad about you. (laughs) But I mean, who cares? Who cares? (laughs) Dr. Joyce Berry. (laughs) This one's short. Dateline. Go ahead. I'm back. January 20, 93. (laughs) FBI arrests a mafia boss in New Jersey. It does. It, All right. Like, who cares? Big guy. Two details I like. 
His nickname was Gas Pipe. <laughs> <laughs> and the FBI agent that arrested said he came out and had a towel around him when we took him into custody. <laughs> Great. Good enough for me. Now. Good enough for me, too. Uh, oh, also, there's an article. I mean, I'm not going to read it because who cares? But about putting cell phones in the back of cabs. What does that mean? Or car like phones. You, car phones. Car. Oh, OK. Yeah. Which a lot that both sides were very happy. The passengers sounds, and the drivers, because they were like, if something bad happens, now I have a way yeah, to call the cuffs. That's great. That's a great idea. But like, think how I vulnerable like you must have. Like, you know what I mean? To need to have a, uh, a car phone well, back sitting there? in the back of the cab, knowing if something crazy happens, I can't call the cops because we have that yeah. now anytime we want. Unless our phone. Does. That's true. Yeah. We take that for granted. That's true. Now, I've been Never saving again. a real gem. <laughs> oh, my goodness. For the end. Dateline. Go ahead. Ultimate alchemy. Sludge to gold. Big New York export may make desert and budget bloom. Whether the cargo wanders the world endlessly on a barge or is hauled by rail to the Midwest where armed guards refuse to accept it, and whether it travels as solid waste or in giant mounds of processed sludge, nobody wants any part of New York's monumental collection of garbage. Nobody, that is, except the savvy farmers of Colorado, Texas, Oklahoma, and Arizona. Okay. Oh, yeah. Out there, where people have a well-developed understanding of what human waste can do for winter wheat, New York City sludge is greeted like sweet rain in a drought. So they said garbage for a second But they meant something else. Yeah, they're really leaning on the sludge word. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, it gets there. (laughs) New Yorkers... Turn out about 1.7 billion gallons of treated sewage a day. <laughs> Good. Also, since last year, last year, 1992, when federal laws forced the city to stop dumping it all in the ocean, 1.7 billion gallons of New York City crap was being dumped in the Atlantic Ocean. That sounds about right. New York sends most of its sludge out west. Though some of it still goes to landfill in Virginia. Ooh, sick burn. <laughs> I know. Oh, that's me. <laughs> that's me. We've got a hell of a commodity here, said the city's environmental commissioner, Albert F. Appleton, who has pledged to help New York use some of its sludge locally <laughs> in parks and nurseries. 100 years of Victorian propriety have turned us against manure, but it's time to reach back to our roots. <laughs> Holy. <laughs> I Can mean, we go back to talking about locking a girl up? In are a you garage, this put off please? by this? No. This is insane. <laughs> this is an article about New York, New York people's dumps, New Yorkers' dumps yeah. in 1993. <laughs> Who knows where those dumps are today? Going all over the country. The sludge <laughs> is checked for pollutants in New York at the sewage processing plants when it's finished. Federal officials of the EPA which issues rigorous sludge quality standards. <laughs> Check it before it leaves town sealed in freight or truck containers. It's checked again by local health officials when it reaches its destination. Well, good. I want I want sludge to be no, checked I mean, multiple thank times. Thank God. Also, little did you know, America, for the 90s, you were eating uh, produce that was grown in New Yorkers crap. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's amazing. It truly is the greatest city in the world. <laughs> oh, this is great. I don't know how anybody could be unhappy about this, said Rock Kramer, <laughs> who, who farms cotton on a thousand acres in Arizona. Uh, it's got everything we lack. A little zinc, some copper, <laughs> a 
and an incredible load of organic material. John, I'll tell you, you are pitching this very well. I wish I could put twenty five. I, was... I wish I could put twenty five tons of this product per acre on my land. <laughs> I would use hundred tons an acre if I could. As far as I was I'm pretty concerned, put... this is a quote. As far as I'm concerned, if everyone's sewage was like New York's, the world would be a better place. Um, like that is, I'm not a big fan of the concept of like New York elitism. But if you're saying, if you are literally saying our crap is better than everybody else's crap. Russ, I'm not. Experts in the crap field are. (laughs) I didn't have an opinion on it. I'm just reporting the news. Oh, man. Here's the final. And this is just a petty letter to the paper. Dateline. Go ahead. January 24, 1993, when a dentist is also a comedian. The article, Dentist's Stand-Up Act Leads to Funniest Title, concerned a dentist who, through a contest, was designated New Jersey's funniest dentist. I take umbrage with this because I am the only dentist who is nationally known as a stand-up comic. Uh... During a number of years, I have been interviewed on many television and radio programs across the country. Recently, I have appeared on the Sally Jesse Raphael Show and Shannon in the Morning, heard locally on WPLJ-FM. In addition, I have performed in New York's top comedy clubs, including Caroline's and Stand Up New York. These are credentials your Jersey jokester wishes he were able to sink his teeth into. Greg S. Schneider, DDS, Linden, New Jersey. Sounds legit. Guess what? You found him? Nope, because he don't exist on the internet. (laughs) Oh, no! (laughs) That's a little thing we call hubris, my friends. (laughs) I like this guy. You do? The idea... No. He's a jerk. But I like he is a jerk. I like the idea of him. I like the idea of a dentist who is also a stand-up comedian. But what I like more than that is a stand-up comedian who is also a dentist. So I want to know <laughs> if like Bill Burr also does fillings on the weekends. I don't think anyone does. Louis CK and Maria Bamford are not doctors. Ex- There's not a chance. They'll extract your molars for you. They're very funny. They're very funny stand-ups who also do dentistry. I mean, this guy, to see an article in the paper about a funny dentist and feel so threatened (laughs) that you have to draft a snarky letter about how you're technically the funniest dentist in New Jersey, are you out of your mind? Uh, Yeah, yes. Yes, you are out of your mind. I guess that's true. Comedians are crazy. I mean... (laughs) I mean, what oh, a jerk. So that's the news. We, I would say today we got it was a real potpourri. We got a little bit of everything. <laughs> we, we got a little bit. We got a lot of everything. Yeah. We no. got we got 25. What was it? 25,000 gallons or tons? No, or how, how? no, 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 Russ. You are way off. 1.7 billion gallons. Billion. Billion gallons. We're in the billions. Of everything. I'm skipping the story about <laughs> you know, uh, Dinkins being unable to get public toilets in New York. <laughs> <laughs> millions of crap isn't cool you know it's cool <laughs> billions of crap man remember when crapster was a thing <laughs> <laughs> oh good job johnny oh man what a week My word. so what's the show ah yes it's called the joyce berry you, show if i remember okay, correctly so episode- <laughs> Episode 88 of the Joyce Barry podcast <laughs> starts with uh, 
Let's get into it. Yeah, so the Gold Open is a parody of comedy tonight. <laughs> I mean, I became you. How so? I mean, I was listening to an hour's worth of content oh, that was at best that marginally. That was terrible? The con- I mean, marginally related to this podcast. Yeah. At yeah, best. Yeah, yeah. At best. <laughs> Only after watching a few minutes of a German dubbed Space Rangers. Because I wanted to see Buddy Hackett. How was he? Is he is he great? Well, uh, in German, not as not not so much. <laughs> not as good in German. Yeah, they okay. were not on board. <laughs> I don't think the uh, the Jewish, the inherently like Jewish uh, aspect of his performance translated. You know what I mean? Uh, I think I do know what you mean. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, "No, we're not doing that. No, no. no, no I'm sorry. Does no, not, does not read. Yeah." <laughs> So this episode was directed by Linda Day. Great. A little departure. I guess Barnett was out, the old BK. We got the old LD, but not that one. (laughs) But this is 1993, Russ, and it is not common to have a female director in television. That's true. And reading from her obituary in The Hollywood Reporter in 2009, uh, it said one of the few female TV directors to find steady work in Hollywood in the 80s. She specialized in sitcoms, worked on Mary with Children. That's why it was going to come up. I forgot. Okay. She did the pilot and then did two years worth of the show. She got an Emmy nomination for Archie Bunker's Place. She did Clueless, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, Who's the Boss, Mad About You. More than 350 episodes in 50 different shows. Cool. Yeah. And she was honored by the DGA for paving the way for women in television. I like her. Yeah. Rest in peace. Me too. Uh, And it was written by Daryl Rowland and Lisa Benedictus, who... I would say for you are, are uh, one for two. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I think I like definitely because you love Paul and the you love Paul and the family. Sure, do. and you did not like Made About You. Did not. So we will well, see, I, ladies. Made and about you. Made about you was was uh, was middling. Oh, and you you came over by the end a little. Yes, yes, I did. Sure, but yeah, uh, one for two is fair. How'd you feel about this cold um, open? I like this cold open. This was this was fun. I mean, I loved it. Paul and Jamie Paul are in the kitchen. Jamie playing a little, a little, a little can thing. you top this? Yes. Yeah. Can you top this with your horrible New York story? Mm-hmm. It seems like the end of another work day, and uh, Jamie's in the fridge. For why, I don't know, because Paul's the master <laughs> chef, apparently, in the couple. Right. And they're having, yeah, they're having a little, like, one-upsmanship about how bad their day was in New York. Three hours. Three hours. Then some creep on the subway has his armpit in my face from 52nd Street <laughs> all the way to West 4th. I'll see that. I'll raise you. I'm on the subway. It derails, right? So we're sitting in the dark. 40 minutes, I'm sitting in the dark. I'm wedged between, like, seven circus women. I can beat that. When I got home, the maniacs in 12D were blasting Jim Neighbors Sings the Blues. I had an uncle who was killed in Normandy. All right, you win. Thank you very much. Right. I mean, I just, I had, that's the whole cold open. Mm-hmm. I just played. Yes, yeah. it's so fast and it's so great, and every every line yeah. is a funny joke. Mm-hmm. But it's all in there, she's complaining about Gantz. Yeah, which means she's like got partner written on her. Like you know, she's at the top, basically. Well, probably, but also you know, if if there was a meeting and he was there, well, he has her covering four accounts, which means she reports to him. That's true. I think he's grooming her. Okay, I think that there could be some validity to that. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Paul says he's in the middle of editing and the machines go down for three hours, which to me maybe means it's time to go back to the old movie Ola. 
<laughs> Let's not go back to the old movie. Old. I love that By word. The way, I, oh, and she talks was, about riding the subway from 52nd to West 4th, which is weirdly consistent with the exterior from last week. Can I backtrack for one second about the movie Ola? Yes, please. I was talking to Jen's brother, uh-huh. Chris. Hello, Chris. He's a Rise guy. Hey, Chris. And he was telling me that he was a former film student. Oh. And he was telling me that he was telling me that he used to cut his he used to edit his films when he was in film school uh-huh. by hand. Ah, oh, like amazing. Razor blade and ta- and like and it was the worst and it was torture. I'm sure. And yeah. Yeah. So it was just the same thing. And so it was like, and did somebody else get a better machine? He was like, there are other machines, maybe. I'm not positive whether or not he said that. But I was just like, do you think that that experience ruined your life? He's like, oh, no doubt about it. Like, <laughs> Wait, really? No, I mean he said that. Well, he no, I know, obviously, having, sure, yeah. sure, sure. But it sounds like a guy, if I may, who comes from sort of a privileged moviola. Like he, he probably had the good moviola. He didn't know what he had when he had it. <laughs> I mean, sure, easy for him to say or joke about it, but countless lives were probably ruined by the worst moviolas. I think that that's probably. I think that's undoubtedly safe to say. <laughs> Who knows how many lives were thrown asunder at the hands of the cold and heartless movieola? I mean, they could have been thrown so far asunder they thought it'd be a good idea to go into show business. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> oh, Paul says he's surrounded by seven circus women, which you would think he mm-hmm. would love. You would think. Once you again, would Russ, think that would be a great thing. You were right. Oh. There's nothing about it that likes the circus except that one episode. Oh, furious! But that one episode made me like the circus, so you know. So. <laughs> Oh, who's Jim Neighbors? You tell me. I don't even look it up because I know you're the encyclopedia. Oh, yeah, I forgot. I don't don't care. He's he's somebody of note from back then. I uh, (laughs) I think it was an... Yeah, he's an actor. I can't remember. Oh, he's not a musician? I don't think so. I think he's an actor. Oh, I thought he... I don't know why I thought he was a musician. Didn't they say... eh, It doesn't matter. Oh, also, Paul's uncle was killed in Normandy in 1944. I don't think so. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> oh, maybe. Actually, maybe. Never mind. It works. I guess it I tracks. forgot how uh, young we are compared to them. Jim Neighbors was a... Uh, he's an entertainer. He's a country gentleman. Ugh. Oh, wow. Yeah. That was so... I'm sorry, everyone. That was just uh, uh, just a little uh, unfiltered me. <laughs> <laughs> That's just what you get. Ooh. Listen, I'm, right. I'm from Ohio. I can do that, you know? I guess so. Yeah, I could do that. By the way, that's two prejudices for you for the week. Oh, uh, yeah, but the second one. Yeah, no, you're right. Well, I'll give up the second one because I need that first one. <laughs> uh, so scene one, they're in the bedroom. Feels like a Friday. Mm-hmm. Paul and Jamie are packing on the bed. And yeah. Lisa's laying there under the luggage. Welcome back, by the way. How long has she been gone? A little while. A while. It's I didn't even a- notice. Yeah. Oh, also, of note, Richard Kind and uh, Leela Kenzel have been moved up to the main credits. Oh, I didn't notice that either. What was the trade-off? You don't appear in the episodes anymore? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Oops. Listen, tell you what, we're going to up your billing, downsize your lines. (laughs) Uh, That's cool. Yeah. I guess a lot of changes. That's weird. Maybe they took the the week off to uh, fight with all these little things. I guess so. Hey, uh, Paul, Danny, we're going to need a week to uh, change the opening titles. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. They, they, I, I like the idea of maybe them being ready to go live with it. 
And then just all of a sudden be like, oh no, we've got to change the opening thing. Yeah. Pull, pull the episode. <laughs> pull it. Got it. Got it. <laughs> yeah. America saw eight seconds of that episode of Mad About You that week. <laughs> it's like the uh, Bernstein Bears or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It happened or, in another dimension. How about the mental, like, do you know, I honestly thought I was losing my mind the first time I saw the episode with the wheelchair on Seinfeld with Mr. Costanza played by Jerry Stiller. And then I had the memory of that scene played by a different actor. And then I thought, why would I have that memory? Jerry Stiller's Mr. Costanza. And then I was like, (laughs) well, both exist because I have one on my laptop that I downloaded in like 2001 that has the other guy. And I was like, what is happening? And they reshot all those scenes. Did you know that? No. For syndication. Wow. Oh, yes, 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 yes. But. Boy, did that! I remember hearing about me. this. Oh yeah, my they had a diff- they they had a different actor originally playing George's. Yeah, dad, I forget his and name. Then they went, and then they went back and reshot the scenes for the episode with Jerry Stiller playing George's. I mean, dad. that's after it aired, though. So, like, there's yeah. two versions of that episode, and it's crazy. Yeah, if you've seen one ten years before the other. <laughs> oh man, yeah, a guy like you that would make you think that you were going insane. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> My life is built on a foundation of an understanding of Seinfeld and its universe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Jamie's packing way too much, basically. Mm-hmm. She's filling up this huge suitcase. She's bringing, like, yep. multiple robes because they're different thicknesses. Sure. She has Paul, Paul to pack his corduroys. <laughs> Paul's just ready to go. Yeah, he's done. He comes out with his little toiletry kit. And he's, he's like, mm-hmm. He only wants to bring his jeans, which I get. I get that. His corduroys sure. are too noisy, which I don't remember those being noisy pants, but maybe they are. They famously swish. They, oh, famously? It's famously. Oh, I feel like an idiot. Mine didn't swish. Are you sure? No. <laughs> are these the Jerry Stillers of pants? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my swishing corduroys were unavailable for the uh, <laughs> first time I wore them. The, so the plan is for Paul, basically we find out they're going on vacation. Yes. Right. He's like, OK, so the play, I'm going to pick up the car. We're going to drive to Vermont, find an inn. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, find an inn in Vermont on the weekend. Stupid. Too neuro- like, I get that they wanted to be like spur of the moment, spontaneous. Mm-hmm. And they're about to say that for these two neurotic balls of neuroses. Yeah. To just do that and not book a place. Right. You got to be kidding. me. You got to be kidding me. Though I get why Jamie does it because she's like not into going on this vacation. Right. As we find out in a minute, because she. uh she slips some manila envelopes or folders into her luggage. Yes. Because she's like, oh, I just got to look over a few papers on the trip. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, she we can't... agreed no work. Yeah. She can't let go. She can't stop working. That continues. So Lisa's there because they promised her the place for three and a half days. Right. She gets to leave whatever <laughs> hell she lives them. in. Yeah. She's she's mad at them for not being out of their home already. She's yeah. Like, they're packing into my time. Right. <laughs> so then. As they're wrapping up the packing, Lisa asks about the ironing board. Hey, you guys mind if I use your ironing board? Go crazy. Good, because it's a luxury for me, you know, that I have to iron on the top of my toilet. Really? See, most people, they just take a magazine. (laughs) Yeah. I used to iron on my kitchen counter, and it was a nightmare. In New York, it was like a foot and a half wide, and my shirt would go in the sink and get wet every time. So I can identify. It is nice to have a full ironing board. Yeah. That's the one good thing about nice. L.A. I must be living pretty high on the hog because <laughs> I live in New York and have an ironing board. Well, that's the beauty of Brooklyn, I guess. That's I guess the one so. good thing about Brooklyn, too. The one That's it. That's all we get. <laughs> that's all I'm giving you. 
They'll <laughs> take it. The world will give you everything else because Brooklyn's yeah. very popular now. Me and my well pressed shirts will take it. <laughs> well, I stopped doing that and then I started. There was a cheap uh, laundry <laughs> on the first floor and they would do it. That's Manhattan living, oh my baby. Gosh. It was a steal. It was a steal and they would do such a better job. I looked like, uh, okay, you're fine. <laughs> 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 so Jamie, uh, well, while they're talking, while he, Paul Lee's talking about the iron, Jamie had left the room and comes back with a laptop that <laughs> she wants to pack. Yeah, yeah. She is trying to do a work vacation. Basically, yeah. She can't unplug. Yeah, she can't unplug. What a great way to put it. They finally, they're ready to leave. They pack up and we see that Jamie has this enormous suitcase and blows a little duffel bag. Mm-hmm. And on their way out, they do a little rundown of Lisa's responsibilities for house sitting. You'll check the mail. I'll check the mail. And feed the doggy, huh? Feed the doggy. And you'll walk him this time? I swear. And listen, when you play with his ears, you know, scratch, but don't tug. <laughs> he complained last time? He mentioned it. <laughs> she didn't walk Murray? Oh. Did you miss that? Point. That's insane. Great. Yeah. <laughs> How long were they gone last time? I don't know. It's too much. But that's, Lisa. That's a big problem. That's a yeah, big no no. Come on. Yeah. Come on, Lisa. <laughs> you got to walk that dog. Also, it's sort of cute to see Lisa and Paul working on a little pretend dog shorthand. Yes. <laughs> like, that's the, the best I've ever seen them get along, I feel like. Yeah. Lisa's just, yeah, with uh, Paul asking, when you play with Murray's ear, scratch, but don't tug. Yeah, right. Lisa said, he say something? He complained a little, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they finally leave, and of course, no one leaves the supplier without a pop back in. Nope. Jamie pops back in with one more warning. If there's a flood, call the super, and there's an extinguisher under the sink in case of a fire. And if there's a flood and a fire, then don't worry, because they'll just cancel each other out. Gosh, do I love that. Her, I think her that neuroses. is so funny. Or the, the cancel well, each other out? Yeah, yeah, that's such a great bit. <laughs> okay, so then they leave again. Jamie says she's going to check in every hour from the road. Paul's not into that. Yeah, Paul says, no, you're not. Lisa, knowing her sister, stands by the door, counts to three when Jamie runs back in to grab a bicycle. Yeah, that's not a great idea. It's a no, To go to four, Vermont. Yeah. In the, oh, there's a lot. This will come up. This is a recurring motif in this episode. <laughs> the number of things you're doing in winter that I don't think you do in winter. <laughs> <laughs> But I do love the button to this scene when she's like, I'm taking the bike. And Paul goes, great, yeah. I'm taking the car. I'll see I'm you taking the car. I'll meet you in Vermont. That's yeah. Great. It's a fun joke. So scene two, we're at this beautiful bed and breakfast. Lovely place. Russ, can I ask you something? Please. Did you recognize that exterior at all? I didn't, but I'm sure I should have. No, not necessarily. I had to look it up just to be sure. But boy, was what, it satisfying. What was it? It is the exterior they used a new heart as the Stratford I M. was going to say yeah. new heart. I'm so mad at myself for not saying new heart. Isn't that fun? Now nah, it sounds like you don't know what I'm talking me. about. I know. It sounds like I'm making it up. Do you know what new heart is? I promise you. Do you know new heart? Do you know Bob Newhart? I'm familiar with Bob Newhart. Oh, I wasn't sure because you didn't. Yeah. You didn't know. I didn't say. You'd think that again. You'd think that such a Newhart head like myself <laughs> would have it right on the tip of his tongue. Oh, <sighs> I could scream. <laughs> isn't that isn't that fun though? That's great. Oh, but this one's called the Waybury, and that was the Stratford Inn. Right. And in real life, it's the Babcock Inn. Oh no! Wait, sorry. Oh boy, I'm getting my uh, pretend and real in names mixed up. Now who doesn't know? No. Now who doesn't know? <laughs> Okay, Newhart was the Stratford Inn. Mad about used the Waybury Inn. Nope, I screwed it up again. Oh my gosh. Okay, ready? 
This one's real. That they were all real. This one's right. Uh huh. New Hearts the Stratford in. We've established that. Okay. Mad about you is the Babcock in. In okay. real life, it's the Waybury in in Vermont. This is a real B and B. It looks a little different. They repainted the outside. Now sweepstakes. <laughs> Take a photo of yourself at this B and B in Vermont. <laughs> And got, we will make you a custom T-shirt or something, which I thought was going to sound cooler before I said it. But, Double sweepstakes. Yeah. Take your picture in front of one of the two fictional versions of the inn. Absolutely. <laughs> That's fair. What's, what is it called on, on Mad About You? Uh, honestly, it's anyone's guess at this point. I, <laughs> the Babcock. The Babcock. <laughs> The, if you can get your picture taken in front of the Babcock, <laughs> not the Waybury. Right. Oh, very good, Russ. I, that was a shot in the dark. It's a miracle. No, you're becoming fluent in this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you're really picking up the parlance of. Uh... <laughs> I'm doing what I can. But I love that the universes intersect, even though I don't even know if they knew they did that or if this is just. I got news for you. Yeah. Turns out. All of these universes are in the mind of an autistic child in a snow globe. Ah, so. or they're just a dream. Allah. Ah, uh, uh, right, right. Yeah, uh, Paul Buckman is going to wake up next to Suzanne Plachette. <laughs> <laughs> that would be really weird. Because she's old enough to be his mother. It's true. Which would be a very Freudian move, which would put us in the Frasier universe. <laughs> We're spinning. Talk yeah. about this episode yeah. again. Sorry, guys. It's a little late for us. This isn't the normal hour we do it. We normally do it like an hour earlier, and apparently it really throws my equilibrium off. So it's, as they yeah, walk in, they do their their New York entrance still. Paul's complaining mm-hmm. <laughs> about a cow that mm-hmm. got in the way on the road. Right. Oh, and he calls Jamie out because she apparently on the road she said she had to pee. But really, yeah. he and knew he, she just wanted to call yeah. the office or whatever. Yeah, so he didn't he didn't stop. Yeah. And uh, she calls him out first, but then it's like, no, she, he was right. Uh, yeah. So the proprietor walks out, and mm-hmm. we, you know, who doesn't love a good northeastern proprietor, rural mm-hmm. proprietor? This is the Bob Newhart of Mad About You. Yes. His Sadly, name's, not played by Bob Newhart. No. His name's Ned, played by Murphy Dunn. Mm-hmm. Did you recognize him? No. Guess I, who I he knew, is. He has a very familiar-looking face, though. Who is he? You might recognize him from a little movie called The Blues Brothers. Oh, yeah? He's Murph. The keyboardist. How cool. He's an old Hollywood keyboardist. He was in he played a piano player in High Anxiety. He's in a bunch of old things. He's a, That's so neat. Isn't that fun? So I was yeah. looking it's hard to find Blues Brothers clips online, but like Is it really? It weirdly is, yeah. And the albums aren't on Spotify or anything. Only cover albums. Wow. Yeah, they got a real lockdown on that thing. I guess I guess so. Why? I mean, I like I it, know. but why is it that widespread? <laughs> When the Blues Brothers album came out, it was in 1980. <laughs> yeah, but like it, like I mean, you're I right. It hit the it hit the top of the charts, if I remember, like because white people love to support white people doing black music. That is true. Oh my gosh, yes. La La Land. Yeah, there you go. Fascinating. And if they're famous, Russ. if they're famous white people, absolutely fascinating. Yeah. People got really into the white blues in the early 80s. I guess so. But the Blues Brothers film features several great black musicians. That is true. As members of the band, too. Yes. So it's not fully egregious. <laughs> it's not full whitewashing. No. Uh, right. But no, he was the band leader of Murph and the Magic Tones. How cool. Yeah, isn't that fun? That's great. He also appeared on an episode of a little show that I don't know if you knew existed called A League of Their Own. I did know that existed. And the only yes. cast member from the movie was John Lovitz. No. Oh, was he in that show? Yes. Okay. The other one was Gary Marshall. (laughs) 
<laughs> just from doing a spot check. There could be other, like, I couldn't, you know, you know what I mean? Also, uh, I turned into Russ again last night, and I watched maybe 10 minutes of this episode of TV on YouTube. It's weird. It's weird. Because they are playing the characters from the movie, mm-hmm. not themselves. Like, you know what I mean? Also, it looks goofy because yes. it's a TV yes. production of something that needs more money than that. Yeah, that is true. Hey, also, huh. there is another Mad About You, A League of Their Own connection. Do you know what it is? Gina Davis makes an appearance on the show? She does. Uh, I don't know if she does. I but guessed. What? Oh, and Ramsey is in a league of their own. No, she's not. Yes, Who she is, is she? She comes. She's one of the. She's a Rockford Peach. She comes in and says, "Has anybody seen my new hat?" Oh and my! And Gina Davis. Gosh. And then Gina Davis says, "Oh, go piss on your hat." Oh, I remember that vaguely. Yeah, boy, this is like when you quoted that uh <laughs> that line from My Blue Heaven. Thankfully, this is a lot shorter than that. Yeah, because that needed to... a lot of setup. <laughs> Yeah, that would need a lot of setup. Yeah, I lay I laid a lot of vague track for that one. <laughs> Do you know how Here long I, I spent tracking that clip down just so we could put it in the podcast? <laughs> I believe it. You're a good man. <laughs> I think I bought it on Amazon for like five because it was five bucks or something. <laughs> Did you really? And then I ripped it using my special app. I'll give you five bucks. No, 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 no. Was... It's hey, it's a gift. It's my gift to everyone. Oh, uh, I was wondering. I was just like, there is no way that this scene. From this movie Absolutely is available not. on YouTube. I got it on Amazon. Oh. I moved my cursor along the timeline, <laughs> looking at the tiny frames to figure out where they were at a train station and then I or an airport and then I got it. Holy cow. It's very weird to see Steve Martin speak Italian because it does not sit well on him. No, it does not. So oh, so Ned. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, so Dr. Joyce Berry, her second guest. <laughs> So Ned welcomes them and lets them know immediately that they have no rooms. Listen, you, you just don't make us get back in the car. My wife is really stressed out. She is just overworked and, and, and overwrought, and this could put her over the edge. I've been there. I used to manage Conrad's supermarket over in Wolfsboro. Twelve aisles open till nine, ten on Fridays. You're telling me. My blood pressure went right through the roof. I got bleeding ulcers. The day they put in double coupons, I said to myself, Ned... Life is too short. <laughs> well, then, Ned, you're a man who understands. Absolutely. You can empathize. I can. So you can get us a little room? Wish I could. <laughs> right. I love that tear about the uh, supermarket. Just yes. the stress at, like, 12 aisles, which doesn't sound that big, open till nine, <laughs> bleeding ulcers. Uh... Oh, he could be Paul's long-lost cousin. <laughs> yeah. They are two of a kind. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine Paul running a grocery store? No. <laughs> <laughs> so, because there's no room, of course, Jamie goes into her little mischief mode that we've learned to uh, expect and love. I can't understand why Bruce said there'd be no problem. Bruce Bruce said that? Yeah. I think the chairman of the board would know about his own hotel chain. Excuse me, are you talking about Bruce Roberts? Yeah, do you know him? No, not personally. Mm. Well, tell him you said hello. What's your name again? Actually, we do have one deluxe room overlooking the garden. A young couple driving down from Canada reserved it. But you know what I just realized? The hell with them. Exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, that whole Bruce thing is so sneaky. It's very sneaky. Like I'm like, look, that's very clever. It's also so surface. Yeah, like who would fall for that? Yes. Well, Maybe Russ, that's just me being a jaded New Yorker. It is. And, and those country bumpkins exactly. will just fall for anything. Because why would they not trust someone? It's true. Who would lie? Jimmy Buckman, that's who. That's right. Anyone from New York. Yes. And thus sets up the beautiful archetypal dichotomy of like the puritanical Northeasterner 
and the mm-hmm. filthy lying New Yorker. Right. A la my cousin Vinny, or take your pick. Or many other things. <laughs> Which I can't name off the top of my head. Yeah. So Jamie got walking a... to their yeah, they're walking to their room and they walk past the Museum of Colonial Cutlery. Oh gosh, which is like my I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Just like a little a little cabinet full of old stuff. Look, what's this? That's a museum of colonial cutlery. <laughs> really? It's closed. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, hey, is that really Paul Revere's shrimp fork? It's closed. <laughs> Like Paul Revere's shrimp fork is something I would yeah. drive twenty miles out of the way to see. A hundred percent. You could ask my girl. Like my Instagram is just like this past Saturday, uh, me and a bunch of friends drove out uh, on Route sixty six for fun. Stopped at a bunch of cool. weird sites, including what uh, two hours away from where we live. <laughs> President uh, God, chair, John, huh? John, I, I hope you got your kicks. We got whoa, whoa, a little, a little. <laughs> A little. But we drove, I mean, we drove two hours essentially. We did a lot of stuff, but like it culminated in going to see a chair that was built for President Taft. It oh sits in the lobby of a hotel in Riverside, California, because the owner of the hotel in 1909 built the hotel for Taft that was, he built the, sorry, a chair for Taft that was so big because he knew Taft got stuck in a tub because he's so fat. I know you're not a music guy, but I'm trying to remember if that's one of the lyrics from the song. About getting your kicks on Route yeah, 66. Yeah, definitely. Is. Oh, wait, what? You can, drive, you can drive down the street and go and see oh, a chair made for that's President Taft. <laughs> getting your kicks on a Route 66. If I had anything to do with it, it would have been. Oh, but I love <laughs> I love this stuff. Yeah. This is what I live for. Also, I feel like Paul would, too. Though, oh, absolutely. May I point out a couple issues I'm having already? Please. He mentions twice that their room is overlooking the garden. Okay. It's snowing heavily. Sure. So if I may, who cares? Who does care? Point two, their room is number 46 of this house. <laughs> That's incredible. Like these are just tiny little things where I'm like, how did it even, how do you even, how do you even write that number? Like, you know, it's a B and B. How do you logically write that number down when you're writing the script? <laughs> like, why not and they, eight? Roommate, you're in roommate. You're in that room. Like just... Yeah, if you're pushing double digits, you ain't getting above 12. I got news for you at a bed and breakfast. <laughs> you're very New York today. Am I? Meaning uh, aggressive and opinionated? Yeah, yeah, and you're using fun contractions. You ain't getting past it. Oh, that's <laughs> true. I think I watched that David Mamet Masterclass trailer too many times. <laughs> this is a pencil. That's a... I haven't actually heard him say it. I've just seen him holding a pencil. Oh, and now that's one of my favorite quotes yeah. from the trailer. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> He's like, to write, what you need is a pencil and paper. <laughs> That's a good start. Something like that. Our our references are very strange tonight. <laughs> no, I think our audience gets them all. I think you're probably right. I, I really do. I mean, the things we've been called out on are so specific. Yeah, we've covered Newhart. We've covered a television show that was on for th- uh, three weeks, 24 years ago. Well, and we've covered <laughs> the silent version of a David Mamet Masterclass trailer. I guarantee we're going to hear... Now. At least about one of those things with a tidbit of something that we don't know. I'm sure you're guaranteed. Right. <laughs> uh, so, scene three, they're in their room. Mm-hmm. Paul's watching TV, and what's on is Bar- you know, he's watching Barnaby Jones. Yep. Which is a very funny name for a TV show. For sure. Did you look it, it up? Seems I did not. The IMDb description just says the exploits of milk swilling geriatric private eye Barnaby Jones. <laughs> I don't know if that's official. 
It did not say submitted by and then some rando dude, though, so I don't know. No, that sounds about right. And it's really about that, a private that... detective and his daughter running an agency, I think, in Los Angeles. But, like, this description is perfect. Yeah. That, great job. TV, do you think that's a TV guide guy? He's branched out? I don't. I meant perfect <laughs> in its and how bad it is. I don't think because while it is similar, I think he comes from the school of the TV guide guy because it does mention two aspects, right? Yes. So, so it is concise. However, I think they picked the wrong <laughs> elements to share. You know, you're, uh, you're probably right. If this guy wrote the episode, <laughs> if this guy wrote the summary in the TV guide for this week's episode of Mad About You, it would have been something like Paul and Jamie Pack <laughs> and Lisa Doesn't Walk Murray. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, really oblique. I mean, how much milk is Barnaby Jones drinking? And this guy was like, okay, so, ba- okay, so it's a show about a guy who drinks milk. And what else? First, what else? First things first, the milk guy. Yeah. First off, let the me say, almost- great idea for a show. Can't wait to watch it. <laughs> uh, so please watch your TV. Jamie's unpacking. Paul starts flipping and everything's fuzz mm-hmm. until he makes his way back to the Barnaby Jones channel. <laughs> right. Which is a fun sound joke. For sure. The only thing that's on TV, the only the only thing they get right. is Barnaby Jones. Yeah. So Jamie's unpacking. I'm sure it's just like a nice, clean show for, you know, for those country mm-hmm. Vermont. Uh, sure. Uh, so Jamie's unpacking into drawers, right? And she's trying to get Paul to, and he doesn't want a drawer. He's mm-hmm. just live out of his bag. Yeah, I'm with him. Uh, depends on how long I'm away. How long do you have to be away to use a drawer? Uh, four days. Oh wow, that's a good number. Wow, I nailed it. This ain't my first rodeo. Wow, wow. I'm gonna have to think about that. You might have changed <laughs> the way I live. <laughs> that's all I want to do. Because I was gonna say, not there's no number for me, but four is yeah. Four, four, stop day, yeah. four days i remember this is a stretch i visited a friend of mine in college freshman year just for the weekend and she had three roommates and somewhere along the line i saw her roommate at her wedding and i like i guess i made this leap where i thought hey you remember that time when like we all lived together for that weekend and it's like, hey, Russ, do you mean you visited your friend and stayed with her and her roommates for a few days? Right. Well, but I'm like, yeah, but like in a way, <laughs> it's like it's like we lived together. Oh, my and gosh. It's, it's like you got to chill out. Their address <laughs> is on your credit report. <laughs> <laughs> when you have to validate your identity and it gives you options, yeah. that's sometimes yeah. one of them. Yeah. I apply for a new job. Yeah. And I'm like. Let's I'm going to need more former, pages. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've got I've got bills. <laughs> I worked at Wendy's once. I threw my tray away. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm you not really sure if the in. zip for that Wendy's is one one seven eight three seven nine three. I'll call my I'll manager you know. and check. <laughs> call my manager. <laughs> oh, so there's a knock on the door. Uh, while they're unpacking, and uh, it's Ned with a beautiful fruit basket. Compliments of Bruce Roberts, the imaginary... Uh, well, not imaginary. He's very real. He's a real guy. Jamie just stole his name off their brochure and doesn't know yes. who he is at all. Yes. And Ned is very intimidated by them knowing this guy. Absolutely. He's he's showing he's showing them the gold star treat. Yeah. And they, he won't even take a tip from Paul. No. It's his pleasure, and he in a very panicked way says, I like my job here. <laughs> Which also, I'm like, what is Ned going to do? Because if grocery store is too stressful, if he gets fired from this job, and also he's like, you know, it's harder to get a job the older you get. Say that again? It's harder to get a job the older you get. 
That's true. He could find he could find a. a I guess a, I'm a, saying a that backwards. But you know what I mean. Yeah, he'll be all right. He's gonna land on his feet. Yeah, he's, uh, uh, he's fictional. It's gonna be okay. Oh, that's a great point. <laughs> Jamie starts unpacking Paul's duffel bag because she yeah. finishes with her bag, and it turns out yep. she snuck like ten pairs of socks into it. Yes, he's set. He can change multiple times a day. Yeah, right. Every half hour. <laughs> so Paul sits on the bed, and he, you know he's. Uh, Finds it quite comfortable. Yeah, and uh, he says the most the most Paul Buckman thing probably of this episode uh-huh. and of many episodes. This is a nice mattress. This mattress yields. Yeah, what a weird, great thing to say. What does that mean exactly to you? It completely, gives, it gives a little. It, it does, gi- yeah, a it little, just, it, it, or it get yeah, right. It, it, it it's um, is it like a memory foamy it's, thing? It's like a memory foam. Yeah, that is what okay. I was about to say. Which I think was maybe was that new. Well, memory foam, I don't think, was a thing yet. It so wasn't, right? Just the concept of, basically, he's, he's probably got a, a mattress that is firm. <laughs> and now he's very excited to have a soft mattress. I mean, somebody stopped, may... somebody stopped me from Googling a memory foam timeline. Oh, John, please don't. Please, please don't Google the meaning behind a line when <laughs> all it means is this is a soft mattress. I feel like I'm holding a gun to this podcast head right now. <laughs> We've, I'll do it. Gotta, I'll do it. We've got to stop this. <laughs> uh, so basically, Paul wants. Paul's like, "Ooh, it's very comfy." Jamie, come get into bed next to me. You got to. Oh try my it. god, John! John, did you realize that Paul is the name of an apostle? So <laughs> I looked up. I looked up the apostles. I read all of the book. I read the Bible. I oh, don't, I just got baptized because of Paul Buckman's yeah, first name. Right. It's. Uh, <laughs> The Gospel of Paul, repeat after me. Curry makes my hair sweat. <laughs> oh, God. So. Yeah, I can't, I, I'm uh, just imagining <laughs> Paul trying to give a sermon and Jesus stepping in and nailing it. And then Paul going, this is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, God. Oh, so Jamie's yeah. jaw is incredibly clenched. Yeah, he tries to kiss her in bed. He's trying to he's trying to get the vacation started with a little uh, husband and wife lovemaking. <laughs> I love it when you qualify it as husband and wife. Yeah. It's not the first time you've done that. Oh, so you love it already? Uh, yes. Oh, that's not the I've, first time I've done it. I think you've said in the past marital. Well, I grew up in a very conservative <laughs> home, and it is noteworthy. So, yes. Especially the way today when no one cares about that. It doesn't get, they'll just do it with anything. They'll do it in the road or anywhere. They don't care. Nobody cares. It's not sacred. It's disgusting. Oh, my Especially God. in New York. <laughs> oh so, Jamie gosh. is not in the mood. She, yeah, her jaw's clenched tight. He mm-hmm. can't kiss her even. She's, mm-hmm. she can't relax. She cannot relax. So, then yeah. the show does this. I love when they do this. I love when they're just like, we're just going to be. And they just sit, they just lay there next to each other, not sure yep. what to do. Yep. Just kind of trying to, trying to settle. Yeah. They both lay there with their disgusting shoes on the bed. Russ, thank you. And I thought a lot about this last night. I thought I'm of two minds. I get that you don't want to take your shoes off every time you get on a piece of furniture, maybe because it's a TV show and you don't want to interrupt the flow of the script. But that being said, this is a show that's hyper realistic a lot of times. So you would think maybe they would take the opportunity to make a meal out of taking your shoes off every time you get, you know what I mean? Yes. And I'm torn. I'm torn. I'm not. Take your shoes off. Oh. Mr. Rogers did it every single show. And it took like three minutes. No, it, it, oh, but no, but he had to put his shoes back on. Russ, they had to write a song to keep it interesting. <laughs> 
That's not a good sequence. It's the only thing we remember, but it's not a good sequence. Paul, Paul Reiser's a music major. He can write a song. <laughs> so while they're trying to relax, Jamie uh, sits up and pulls her planner out mm-hmm. and asks if Paul thinks they have a fax machine because the only thing that's going right. to make her feel better is to work. Mm-hmm. So Paul goes into like good husband mode, I feel like. He really, wa- you know, he really wants her to like experience a vacation. Yeah. And he's, he's like, why don't we start a fire? Yes. How about I start a fire? That'd be nice. All right. Here we go. Hey, there's no switch. Honey, it's real. Well, that's going to be much harder. You want help? Huh? No, no, no. I, I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Ooh, there's a square dance at the high school tonight. Square dancing? Not so much. Could be fun. That's my fear. What if it's so much fun that we get hooked, you know? <laughs> Just look right. You need more space between the logs. I know. There's a polar bear swim in Mill Creek at dawn. Oh, that sounds perfect. Swimming between the ice flows. That's that's just what I need. All right. Stand back. Because this is going to be very spectacular. <laughs> and then he goes over. There is no switch, John. I mean, this reminded me of I have a super and a butter knife. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just, he's got no, that 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 part of him does not exist. No, the hands-on making it happen for himself. It part. does. The Buckmans are not good with their hands. No. Well, though. Well, again, he, the Moviola. Yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> the Stemples are great. <laughs> of course, right? Oh yes. So basically, Paul, you know, sets up the wood and he throws a match in, and as you can imagine, nothing, nothing happens. happens. Which also reminds me of when he tries to move the piano last week. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anytime anything physical uh, or <laughs> stereotypically male yes. has to be done. He fails. He fails gloriously. Which, uh, good thing that was the uh, model for my uh, idea of uh, masculinity. Ma- yeah, <laughs> Growing absolutely. Up. Yeah. In many ways, I think maybe a little more aggressive than I might have been. Sure. Okay. Because I fell outside the classical uh, paradigm of uh, what we... Uh... Well, you know what? I got lost in my syntax. <laughs> now... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so Jamie's pitching the square dance at the high school, Mm -hmm. the polar bear swim, right? Oh, baby. I love the polar bears. (laughs) (laughs) What? You don't want to be a polar bear no more. (laughs) (laughs) Jamie says, uh, yeah, there's a square dance at the high school. Paul says, you know what? I'm worried that that'll be too much fun. We'll never want to leave. Yeah. (laughs) It's, uh, he's so, um, bipolar in terms of how he, uh. But you never know when he's going to be down and when he's not. Yes. You know, like he's so unpredictable yes. in that way. Like you always what want to does predict. He his... want to do. Yes. Right. What does he want to eat? What's he want to do? Who's he want to talk to? Who doesn't he want to talk to? He's a tricky guy to be married to. For sure. I just realized something about when I took notes for this episode. Uh-huh. I watched this episode, I think, three times. And two of the three times I acknowledged that the polar bears are a group of people who uh, go swimming in very cold water. Yes. And the time that I took the note on the episode, Mm -hmm. I thought that uh, polar bears were polar bears. And so (laughs) I just wrote square dance at the high school and polar bears at the creek. Where are they? Oh, Russ. Okay, so Jamie, uh, so he's trying to put the fire together. Mm -hmm. Jamie asks if he needs help. Right. And he's got his little approach. Do you want me to do it? What did I say? I got it. 
Maybe you packed it too tight. No, I didn't. I packed it. I packed it just perfect. It's supposed to be just little TP of twigs inside a log cabin of wood. <laughs> Where did you get that? When I was nine, I, we went to Frontierland, and they had they had these souvenir placemats with little Indian fun facts. And you remember that? It made an impression. You know what we need is newspaper. He learned it at Disneyland. Yeah, how about that? Indian facts. Indian fun facts. Did you do that now? No, right? Did you say Native American fun facts, though? Maybe not fun. Rob, yeah, you, you can't associate that, 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 uh, that lessens things. That's being a bit glib. Yeah, I guess it's being a bit glib, yes. <laughs> but uh, I think a little teepee of twigs inside a log cabin of wood is a good approach. You could call them Native, Amer- Native American facts of honor regarding fires. Right. What a fun place, Matt. <laughs> At an amusement park. That is almost entirely cultural reappropriation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, listen, that's my favorite thing about Disneyland. <laughs> anywhere... Cultural appropriation? Oh, yeah. Anywhere you go, it's like sure. the cartoon version of other people. <laughs> the cartoon version of anyone that's not from Southern California in 1955. Absolutely. We got it. This whole city's built on cultural reappropriation. You are not wrong. Los Angeles. I mean, come on. (laughs) Brahmin's Chinese Theater. What do you think that is? What do you think that is? It's a Chinese movie palace based on America's interpretation of Chinese culture in 1925 or 27, I guess. Okay. I mean, you walk in, it's just Chinese characters everywhere. There were wax Asian sculptures of like Asian women. It's uh, (laughs) it's incredible. You know, we get you get away with it, I guess, because it's old. But I don't know. In a city full of liberals always calling out cultural reappropriation, it's funny to me that we also adopt it, love it, and use it constantly. So, people are hypocrites. Anyway, <laughs> Paul goes to get toilet paper. Yes, he does. <laughs> to, uh, to a little kindling to get the fire going. Mm-hmm. And while he's in the bathroom... He catches his reflection. Right. And it dawns on him that he is a handsome, handsome man. Very, yeah, I mean, I agree. Uh, while mm-hmm. he's in there looking, admiring himself... <laughs> Jamie lights oh, Jamie rearranges the logs, lights one match, and like a bonfire starts in the fireplace. Yes. yes. Apparently log placement is incredibly paramount. Yes, it to is getting key. good. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and uh she got it, I'm sure, from the Stemple placement. For sure. <laughs> He's a dumb. Right. Stemple fun facts. Stemple fun facts. You got the Canadians are good with pipes. <laughs> Absolutely. So Paul, uh, yeah, so Paul's in the mirror, looking at himself in the mirror. He compares himself to a young Ronald Coleman, mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. I looked up, and who cares? But he's just the photo. He's a very distinguished English actor. A good-looking British guy, you said. Yeah, yes. a Gentile, too, mm-hmm. which I think sure. is interesting, because then Jamie compares him to Gregory Peck. Also. Also. Mm-hmm. What kind of signals are we sending? That handsome men and Jewish men are not often one and the same. That is correct. Ooh, boom, slam. That is the main subtext, I think, of the series. <laughs> of the <this> show, yes. <laughs> she calls, so she calls him back out from the bathroom and credits him with starting the fire. Yeah. Which is very sweet. Very, very sweet. What a loving couple. Yeah, yeah. She spares his feelings a lot on this show. She does, time and time again. Does he do the same for her? I don't know. Infrequently. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he usually causes them. Yes, he'll 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 get her back in other ways, but uh, but not that one. Yes, yes. I mean, this uh, a lot of this episode is him getting her back. Yeah, he needs a he needs well he getting needs her back, up. not getting he, her not, not not revenge, not exacting <laughs> yeah, revenge right. upon her. 
So Jamie's like, I'm going to go to the lobby mm. and he's suspicious. And she's like, oh, uh, I for gum. I need gum. I need gum. Uh, it's really to call about the computer. Of course. Time. So we cut to Lisa immediately and she's in their bed filing her nails, wearing, I think, Jamie's robe because it's the robe from the first scene. Yep. And Jamie wants the Computron file. Hello. Hi, it's me. Hi. Is everything okay? Yes, yes, it's it's fine. Um, quick question. How do you get red wine out of silk? <laughs> you didn't. It's just a hypothetical question. Listen to me. I left the Computron file right next to the bed. If you could fax it to me. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Hold, hold on. I have another call. Hello. Hi. Tell my wife to get off the phone and come back upstairs. I mean, you can't stop her. Also, Mm -mm. the Computron file is such a big account that they have a party. Yeah. With two bags of Zabar's food. Yeah. Can you imagine how long it takes to fax a file? (laughs) A very long time. For that account? Yeah. It must be like 100 pages thick. Also, where's their... Fa- oh, I know where their fax machine is and the pile of crap littered around their living room. Yes. My gosh. <laughs> it's also very funny. very critical. Yeah. Well, you know what? I get that, like, it's a process to move in together, right. but, like, it's been months now. But come on, guys. Yeah, and also you Grow have horrible taste in couches. Love seats. <laughs> uh, so Paul uses their call waiting to yell... Well, to send a message to Jamie. <laughs> right. Which is fun. It's really fun. So the next scene, it's that night. Nice. And uh, Paul is fast asleep. And... Jamie is up yeah. watching Barnaby Jones. Yeah. Can't get to sleep. Can't get to sleep. And the show is very loud, wakes Paul up. Mm-hmm. Like, all that loud milk drinking. And uh, Jamie has this, she, Jamie just goes on this little like tear. She has this great monologue about Barnaby, mm-hmm. where she seems to be projecting. Man, this guy never rests. Exactly. I feel bad for him. I don't feel too bad. He's collecting residuals as we speak. It's not right. The man's 150 years old. They shouldn't have him running around like this. I mean, he just captured a sniper half an hour ago. Now they have him chasing after plutonium smugglers. It's too much pressure. What do they want from him? It's too much. What do they want from him? Poor Jamie. What do they want from you, Jamie? What does Gantz want from you? She just can't unwind. And she can't unwind because of the outside world and what it wants from her. Yes. Yeah. Paul tells her to shut it off. And right. she, she can't do it. So he does. It. And then he tries to massage her, you mm-hmm. know, make, get her to relax a little. She's not into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she's like, I need to go home, which yeah. is a big move. Yeah. Uh, tries to rationalize through her fears. And um, yeah. You know what you haven't done in like hours? Exhale. I think I need to go home. You want to go home? What are we going for? The shortest vacation in history? This just isn't working for me. I can't unwind. My mind keeps racing. What do you think's going to happen if you let go? I don't know. What, your boss is going to yell at you? No. Your clients are going to leave you? No. You're, you're just going to explode into a million pieces all over the place? That's the one. <laughs> well, I will pick up the pieces and glue you back. It's going to explode. She fears she'll explode into a million pieces. And he'll glue her back together like all the king's horses and all the king's men. Oh, gosh. More Gentiles. (laughs) It's a coded alt-right episode. I guess so. It's very sweet. It is. So they decide to go to the Polar Bear Club. Not they. I want to give credit where it's due. Paul sees a problem here Mm -hmm. and, like, kicks into gear and says, we're going to the Polar Bears. It's true. And she doesn't want to go, and he's like, we're doing it. And to her credit, she doesn't think that he means actual Polar Bears. 
No one thought that. Well, you know what? I'm speaking cavalierly as if everyone knows what the Polar Bear Club is. So I'm sure. I'm actually I'm a, bit of a dummy. Did everyone know that back then? Yeah. I only knew it from Seinfeld. I'm not sure what I knew it from. Like if Seinfeld, if Kramer didn't explain what the polar bears were on that episode of Seinfeld, you would have no idea what they were talking about that whole episode <laughs> and this episode. It's true. So yeah, I don't think you're stupid. Thank you. Stupid. That's the word you were thinking, right? I don't think you're stupid. I mean, I don't think I was thinking I was stupid. Oh, what were you thinking? What, what judgment word were you going to use on yourself? Yeah, I'm just, just, just a little confused. Just okay. I don't think you're stupid for... No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think your confusion's somewhat fair. You have no excuse because, you know, you live, what, 10 feet from Coney Island. That's very The true. polar bear capital of the world. So on Paul's suggestion, they go and they jump in the water. I think that's cool of him. For sure. He's saving the I day. Agree. And it works. And Jamie's he doesn't want to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. He doesn't want to jump. 26 degree water. That's not Paul Buckman. He's doing it for her, I feel like. It brings her around. Yes. Yeah, so we cut to the next scene. It's the lobby of the, the lobby, whatever. You know, it's a bed and breakfast. So it's like a mm-hmm. little dining room, fireplace, front desk, everything in one room. Mm-hmm. So, oh, so also we discuss like the polar bear thing indicates that she's been up all night and it's like dawn now. Right. So right. this is only yes. a couple hours later now. It's breakfast time. Jamie is at the table, like ear to ear grin, mm-hmm. eating, buttering her toast and reading the local she, paper. And like, she's back, baby. She's and back. And Paul is by the fire, the fireplace freezing. He cannot get his temperature up. Yeah. He's wearing a coat. He's shaking. He's rubbing himself. He, a person he takes a Yeah. A person walks by. He takes a carafe of coffee and just holds it up to his chest. Oh, yeah. To warm himself. He, he Yeah. There's someone sitting at the table next to him. He takes the tab- tablecloth and wraps it around yeah. like a shawl. Mm-hmm. But Jamie is super invigorated. No kidding around. I- I've never been colder in my life. Still? Yes, and possibly forever. I feel great. We should jump into a frozen creek every day. Yes, let's do just that. Honey, come have breakfast. This apple butter is so fresh. Do you make this here? Actually, it's bottled in Brooklyn. A little taste of home right here in the country. Mm-hmm. Apple butter is bottled? Jarred under my uh, in my experience. Didn't he say bottled? It's bottled in Brooklyn. Yeah, I. Uh, uh, yeah. Is that one of those classic like northeastern midwestern things? Like they say jarred, we say bottled. Yeah, I think so. Uh, uh, you know, in the south they call apple butter coke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Very good. Um. <laughs> well, uh, good. Yeah. So, so they make um this in, at this point they engage in what I like to call. Uh, a series of jokes about Paul's testicles. That's not what I like to call it. What do you call it? <laughs> a shrinkage bit. <laughs> Good for you. Susie, you're not cold. Mm-mm. I feel invigorated. You know why? See, you're a woman. <laughs> to a woman, freezing water on a woman's body is invigorating. To a man, not such a thrill. <laughs> Bad things happen. Come on, honey, they'll come back. <laughs> It's sweet. It's the show. It's at this point in 20s. I mean, even then, it's like, oh, you know what, actually? Mm-hmm. Whoa. Yeah, this predates. Shrinkage, it does. Yeah. Way to go. Way to go. Mad about you. Yeah. Way to go. Uh, Daryl and Lisa, the writers. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize you were on a first name or. Oh, L- LD. LD. Oh, LD. Oh, wow. Guys, just for you conspiracy theory freaks. 
Yeah. The director's initials are LD, and the fir- the initials of the first name of the two writers that wrote this are LD. So. Not to mention Larry David. Right. Mm-hmm. I was just connecting those dots. Uh, Russ, if you can't prove it, don't bring it up in here. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> I admire it now, but yeah, and you know, testicle. Jo- I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so when, as they as they do that beat, <laughs> I feel like we're handling it with rubber gloves. An older couple enters, also from the polar mm-hmm. bear swim. Hey, you were quite the little polar bear out there this morning. No, I loved it. Yeah, very invigorating. Mm-hmm. Can, I, can I ask you a personal yeah, question? Yeah, two, three days tops. <laughs> like to hear it. Mm-hmm. And I guess all polar bears have the same issue. Oh, yeah, they all have testicle problems. <laughs> uh. The actor who plays the husband, it is one brutal thing to me where, like, if you have one line in the show, but you're with someone, like you're a couple, the person mm-hmm. who doesn't speak does not get any credit or mention or no, anything. They They're yeah. lost to history. Yeah. But and they, I mean, they also lose out on money. But yeah, true, true. But this actor is named Parley Bear, mm-hmm. and he was alive from 1914 to 2002. Wow. Yeah. It's quite a run. And, I mean, Lord, no. Wow. What was this? Oh, wow. Did this guy have a lot of credits? I'm still scrolling. Oh, I'm done scrolling. Okay. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, that ended abruptly. He didn't start uh, till his mid 30s. Oh. Yeah. His first credits in the 50s. Good for him. And boy, I mean, oh, he did a couple of Dragnets. Oh, Burns and Allen, Father's Knows Best, Pepsi Cola Playhouse, or as we called it in my home, Apple Butter Playhouse. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? There's too many credits here. Oh, I love Lucy. I love Lucy. I love Lucy. He was in I Love Lucy. (laughs) Holy cow. I'm trying to remember him. I don't remember him. Oh, also, oh boy, you can't do this now. He played two different characters on two different episodes of I Love Lucy that aired two years apart. Think about it, people. They did that on on Deadwood. That's that's uh, right. I was just listening to more. Okay, so like, you know, I was talking about David Milch lectures like a few episodes ago. Yes. I've been on a five-day seminar with him that's on YouTube. That is (laughs) insane. But he talks about that. What are his thoughts on what a pencil is? Doesn't cover it. (laughs) <laughs> but you know what his approach... I mean, well, you know how he writes. Do you, I don't. Do you know how he writes? No. He has back issues. So he lays sideways on a couch looking at a huge projector and dictates while an assistant types the dialogue. That is nutso. But also, I thought you meant like back issues of a magazine. And that, <laughs> that was just the strangest <laughs> non sequitur. He takes par- you- he takes whole chunks yeah. from back issues of yeah. different magazines. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the show. That's that dead. Deadwood. Yeah. yeah, Deadwood is just you know a bunch of old writes? seventeen back issues or Boy's Life. Yeah, yeah. He gets Tiger Beat <laughs> from nineteen eighty one, and just goes from there. No, no, sir. <laughs> no, it's a lot weirder thing. than that. Why don't I understand how words work, John? Ten times out of ten, if you say something and it can have two meanings, I'll think the wrong one first. It's okay. Anyway. It's it's late there. It is late there. Have we mentioned it's Here. late, guys? Okay. It's late. Is it late where you're listening? I hope. <laughs> Let's see. So Jamie is like on a loving it tear now. And love she's life. like, oh, I love how friendly everyone is. And also like, it's like, where have you been? Because like you grew up around this. Right. This is home. All of a sudden she wants to move there. Yes. And it turns out she's been looking at homeless things in the paper that she's been mm-hmm. reading. Honey, we could live like kings here. Look at this. Four-bedroom colonial on five acres, an orchard, a pond, and a shed for less than a one-bedroom apartment in our neighborhood. What do we do with a shed? You put things in it. What kind of things? Shed things. 
rakes and shovels and compost. Compo compost is like fertilizer. Yeah. So we get a shed, we gotta go right out, we gotta buy fertilizer? You don't have to buy fertilizer. You can put whatever you want in the shed. Well, I don't want to put anything in the shed. Listen, I don't, I don't want the shed at all. All right. Forget the shed, we'll tear it down. Well, that seems a shame. A perfectly good shed. Why tear it down? Uh-oh, look at this. Police blotter. The bicycle stolen from the Thurman's garage is still missing. You want to live in a town like that? <laughs> Living in constant fear? I can't do it. I won't do it. You hear me? I won't do it. Mm-hmm. Oh, what goes in a shed? We could get a shed. <laughs> they are not people. Ew. His, the Buckmans are not hand people. No. And Jamie says, okay, we'll tear it down. Paul says, don't waste a perfectly good shit. Yeah, right. Also, they don't know how compost works. They do not. You don't buy the... You make the fertilizer. Yeah, of course. Well, which it's really convenient. connects to the news story. That's true. Paul, you're it, you're going to buy fertilizer when you got 1.7 billion uh, gallons of crap flowing up to uh, Vermont? Are you out of your mind? <laughs> Further connecting to the news story is when Paul then starts looking at the police blotter section of the paper. Yeah. Which is what we do every week. That is true. That is true. <laughs> He's just looking through and uh, commenting on the, the news and the Life horror stories. Life imitates art. And I'm just like, hey, you're doing our shit. You're doing our bit. Yeah. <laughs> Even though our bit is talking about your magnificent masterpiece. All of their bits. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the police blotter in this town of Vermont reports a missing bike that still hasn't been found. Mm -hmm. And it's clear that <laughs> Paul is not like Jamie's on this tear. She's like, let's live here, blah, blah, blah. But clearly Paul's like, he doesn't get that she's serious yet. Right. Also, do you feel like I won't do it? You hear me? I won't do it. That feels like an impression, right? Of something. Do you remember him doing that? Um, him doing that? Uh, nothing that he did here struck me as an impression. At the end of this piece, when she's like, let's move here, you know, and he's like, no, I won't. I won't do it. I won't do it. You hear me? I won't do it. He does a weird voice. Okay. Okay. You know what? Uh, you're right. You're right. Then it, it's uh, it's an impression. <laughs> and it's a good one. I don't know what to tell you. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know of who. That's what's making me crazy. Let, let us know. Uh, rise, guys. Rise, gals. <laughs> Sweepstakes. He, Find the name closest of? to the person he's doing an impression of, but not the name of the person. <laughs> All entries win. <laughs> so Jamie wants to meet people and to move to Vermont. Yeah, she's like, let's go and... out and explore and like, let's see if this is a place we could live. And, and to Paul his credit, to yeah. he's on board. Yeah, well, he's on board. He wants to return back to the creek and find his testicles. Ugh, right. <laughs> I don't know why I'm so... It's like they pioneered this on television. You know, they, they deserve credits. They're the Neil Armstrong of testicle jokes on uh, NBC. Let, <laughs> let the record show. Let history be kind upon them. Uh, so the next scene. We're like the musical Hamilton. What Hamilton <laughs> did for, for Alexander Hamilton. Hamilton. Yeah. We're doing for testicle humor. We're doing for testicle jokes vis-a-vis -vis mad about you. Well, I don't know how narrowly we wanted to find a testicle joke, but Seinfeld does make a pretty funny one. On you know what I'm going to say the Babu Bot episode nope. the cafe no, I don't I don't recall when they ask what a IQ test has on it or something or why uh, Elaine got a someone got oh Elaine gets a bad score the first time she takes it you know what I'm talking about everyone nope. else knows what I'm, you don't this is nope. one of the Russ this is one of the most famous this is a seminal Seinfeld episode Babu Bot okay yeah okay the Pakistani yeah, restaurant yeah I remember Babu Bot I don't remember this line George's girlfriend is trying to get him to take an IQ test. So they okay. plot that Elaine will take it for him. Great. But yes. she ends up getting a horrible score because she's at Babu Bot's restaurant and it's chaos. Okay. And then Jerry makes a joke. Wow, this is... Hey, guys, 
anyone having flashbacks to my blue heaven? Because I'm doing it. <laughs> because this line is not worth it. Jerry goes, maybe the test was gender bias. You know, a lot of questions about hunting and testicles. Awesome. <laughs> a ridiculous sweater. Oh my gosh, that took so long for nothing. For nothing. Uh, <laughs> I mean, for absolutely nothing. I think for the first time of our doing the show, I'm mad at you now. <laughs> oh, are you sure you're not? I'm not, not even going to do you? it. No. Yeah, you did it. That was a trap. That was a trap. You fell in oh, my pit. Gosh. Okay. I guess so. They come back to the room later that night after a day out in town, and uh, it looks like they've been antiquing. And they inexplicably bought a weather vane to go, yep. I guess, with their hideous couch and fax machine. I guess so. What are you going to do with a weather vane? Why would they buy that? I simply don't know. <laughs> and they bought a quilt and a basket that probably has up. more crap in it. They got caught up. They got caught up, I guess. Yeah. But they don't comment on it. <laughs> so Jamie is still in love with the town and Paul is not on the same page at all. Of course I'm. No, I'm not. And what are you talking about? We can't, we can't just move here. Can we have fun today? It was great. I enjoyed the hiking. That was fun. It was like, it's like walking without pavement. I love this. We got quilts. We got yes. apples. And they're beautiful apples. You like apples? I love apples. Well, then let's move here. See, that's it. It's that last jump that's a little hard for me. I love that hiking is walking without pavement because I agree. <laughs> In fact, oh, everyone man. in L.A. hikes constantly on dirt roads, and I walk up the hill that has a sidewalk and a road only. That's my hike. You're perfect. You're, doing, you're living your best life. I'm living his best life. <laughs> so Paul is pushing back on Jamie, saying, so what's your career move? That's what you want to do? You want to move from being vice president to Apple maker? Yeah, right. Also VP. Yeah, good for her. Yeah. So she's like, oh, Paul, you could be a farmer. All right. You could be a farmer. We could buy a farm. We'll work together tilling the soil side by side. Sadly, I'm not a big tiller. You'll be like the Grapes of Wrath. You love that movie. The lighting. Yes, I love the lighting. I, not the tilling. I didn't like the tilling. And besides, on, on a farm, you got to get up really early. All right. We'll grow stuff that sleeps late. Corn. I understand corn is one of your lazier vegetables. Paul's not into farming. This reminds no. me, it is a good thing I'm a nut and bought that Jackie Mason album because, boy, do I have a little treat for you people now. It's no accident that Jews and Gentiles behave differently because they come from different comparative cultures. They even choose different professions. Why do you think when a guy tells me what he does for a living, isn't it amazing how I can always tell if he's a Jew or a Gentile? I can always tell. If a guy is a farmer, could he be Jewish? <laughs> Who knows a Jewish father? Anybody? <laughs> A Jew might buy a farm, sell a farm. He does not work on a farm. <laughs> I never heard anybody say, Hannah, is the horse ready? I never Russ doesn't know what I'm talking about because he hasn't heard this clip. Nope. <laughs> I'll hear it when you guys hear it, probably. But it, Jackie Mason has all this material about Jews being farmers, not being able to be farmers. Oh, yeah? Which also doesn't make sense because many Jews were farmers <laughs> over the course sure. of history. Like, sure. I'm pretty sure my great-grandparents were. Yes, very few now. But no, he's got a whole tear about it. Hamid, is the horse ready? He's like, you ever hear a Jew say that? No. <laughs> so the phone rings. Paul goes and gets it. Buckman Farms, Rusty speaking. Oh, I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's Lisa. And she's mm -hmm. just called to let Paul know that the green vase they have on their bookshelf is worth $1,500, according to her friend Gunther. Mm-hmm. And she's, she's going on and on about Gunther. And then she's like, oh, oh, by the way, he, Paul, he loves your video equipment. <laughs> and that's what Jamie shouts. We're buying a farm. And I, I like that he's also he's Gunther from group. 
Yeah. So. Oh, groove. I yeah. heard groove, and I was like, "What's no. that?" No, from a group therapy session. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh I just, I feel like to me at least the moment of her rambling about Gunther and Jamie shouting about buying a farm, they've never seen more like sisters. That's very true. That's a good like, point. Like, it's the perfect intersection <laughs> of the two I of like them. To believe, I like to believe that this is the same Gunther who then went on to work, work at, at Central, uh, Central Park. Park. And he was like, yeah. you know what? I'm Gunther now. Yeah. He got his green card. <laughs> perfect. It's like, no more Gunther. Lisa wants to know if Murray can eat egg rolls. Paul says just one and lay off the duck sauce. Uh, can Murray eat egg rolls? Just one. And tell him to lay off the duck sauce. Oh, saying. Boy, I really got a, a hankering for sesame noodles now. Mm, spicy ones with the scallions on top. Ooh, that would be nice. Hey, that's what we'll do. We'll open a Chinese restaurant up here. Or, and this could be just a little bit simpler, maybe we drive back to the city and we buy Chinese from, from a place that already exists. We could make a fortune. A couple of flaws with the plan. A, we don't cook. Two, we're not Chinese. So what? So we're not Chinese and we're not farmers. You know what I mean? We don't, we don't grow tomatoes. We buy tomatoes. We don't, we don't make Chinese food. We don't sell Chinese food. We eat Chinese food. We have a very specific function, you and I, in the whole grand scheme of things. Wait a minute. You're saying we can't be farmers because we're going to upset some delicate balance of nature? That and, uh, and I look chunky in overalls. <laughs> the whole delicate balance. Uh, you and I are Paul's. And yeah, oh, yes, absolutely. We consume the Chinese food. Yes. There is a delicate balance. Yes. Jamie wants, yeah, Jamie then wants to, she has the idea to open a Chinese restaurant. Right. Yes. Which, that idea. <laughs> it's top to bottom a bad idea. But honestly, I say this all the time, it would be very easy. Because um, it Chinese, Chinese, American-inspired Chinese food is, forgive me, it might be a little complicated, granted. But somehow... This culture emerged where disgusting, greasy, garbage Chinese food is what we all crave. And it's not. Because there are some phenomenal American Chinese restaurants all over this country. Very few and far between. And if there were more, they would be gold mines. Okay. That's so, my thesis. Go, put your money where your mouth There's is. There's a great now. restaurant in Beverly Hills, Shanghai Grill. Check it out. <laughs> I'm not joking. It's the best Chinese food you've ever had. Save it for plugs, buddy. <laughs> I'm just going to start plugging businesses I like. You're right. <laughs> also, can I just ask one question? Nope. Can you pick apples in the winter in the middle of a, a snowstorm? <laughs> you cannot. So, okay. So why did they not know it was going to be snowing in the episode until they got to tape day? I don't know. Because this episode question. is nonstop, non-snow things. <laughs> she has a bicycle outside strapped to the car. I don't know what they thought. <laughs> <sighs> so the next scene, we're in the lobby that night. Paul and Jamie come downstairs for dinner. Mm -hmm. Jamie mm -hmm. wants to try venison, which Paul thinks is cruel. Mm -hmm. And Ned informs them that the kitchen's closed. Yep. So Jamie tries to talk him into cooking. Mm -hmm. He says no. Well, he says, don't pressure me. Right. Yes. That's a funny thing for him to say. So they ask about nearby restaurants. And the best one in town, besides this place, is closed. Yep. Everything's either closed or McDonald's. And yeah. McDonald's is miles and miles away. Is, was there a Chinese place? Well, there's Chang's over at Maple Street, but they usually eat here. What about a McDonald's? Everybody has a McDonald's, right? Sure, over in Laconia. Okay, great. Let's right. go. But you'll never make it. They close at 11. Because Laconia would yeah, be... Three hours north. There's a shortcut. Three. It's, it's, what's great is now we're getting the moment of, like, she is seeing the reality of country living. So, like, Jamie's, like, pushing up, you know what I mean? Against, like, like her real feelings now are being uh, pulled out of her. Because at heart, yes. she's a New Yorker. 
now. Yes. You know what I mean? She doesn't want to live yes. in the country. And this is that moment. So she tries to use her fake connection again, Robert, <laughs> on the board to pressure Ned. And he calls her out. Busted. Yeah, busted. And she just comes clean immediately in an angry way. Yeah. Yes. She's like, all right. So, yeah, what so if what? I did yeah. make it up? Who cares? Yeah. Get over it. <laughs> Which, again, it's like my cousin Vinny or like name your pick your poison. Yeah. The lying, filthy city people in the innocent, uncorruptible country. <laughs> so scene next scene. They're back in their room later. Hungry. Oh, while we're on the outside of the inn, before we go to this scene, there's an awful ADR. Oh, Did yeah. Did you catch that? I didn't. I don't know why they thought they needed this, but it's just Paul going, honey, back home, we'd have a mouthful of mooshu by now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, what, we don't need that. Like, because the next moment we're back in their room, and Jamie's on the phone ordering Chinese food. Like, what are we not going to know what that means? <laughs> right? Somebody fell in love with the line, mouthful of mooshu. Maybe. And it was like, Oh, I, I wish we hadn't shot it and they're just at it in post. Yeah, right. Well, that's when someone says no. <laughs> so that we're back in the room. Jamie's on the phone ordering Chinese food. And yep. Paul is in a rocking chair whittling a piece of wood and watching probably Barnaby <laughs> Jones. Barnaby Jones. Right. It's the chicken fried rice, the mushu pork, the Szechuan vegetables, and the steamed dumpling. You're crazy. Said I'd make it worth their while. No, I'm saying don't get steamed. Get this, the pan-fried dumplings. The name is Buckman. And tell him it's above 14th Street. We're at the Babcock Inn in Pine Junction, Vermont. It's right outside the city. Oh, so take the throughway. Tell him it's a beautiful ride. You'll love it up here. Oh, delivering Chinese food to Vermont. What, what a novel idea. What a very fun, silly thing. And that's the way. Yeah, that's the end. That that takes us out. That takes to the us tag. to uh, the tag. In which the promise is fulfilled when we see a Chinese food delivery man outside the inn with a box boxes of food trying to get in. And he does. Comes in through the lobby. Yeah. yeah. He gets in. He's looking around. He doesn't say anything. So he's met Unpaid. with the indignity of not getting his name in the Correct. Case. We have no idea who he is. None. <laughs> Just another face in a city of strangers. Some come to work, some to play. <laughs> oh, this and another hundred people just got off of this podcast. That's all we have, I think. That's it. <laughs> wow, Holy guys. Moly. I don't. This probably because you're gonna... just listening to it. For us, this was a real journey. <laughs> yeah, it sure was. This is like well, that Leonardo through. DiCaprio bear movie for us. <laughs> yeah, this is the revenant. This is the revenant of, of yeah. As far as episodes of this podcast go, this one's the revenant. <laughs> Yeah, there were Native Americans in that, too, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, really? I believe so. Oh, I, I think you're right. I've, I've never seen it. I mean, either. John. <laughs> yeah. Do you, would you like to plug anything besides that, uh, the concept of Chinese food? It's not the concept. <laughs> well, no, that is, a, that is a thing, but uh, I'm happy to talk about it with anyone. Uh, no, Shanghai Grill. Uh, <laughs> look it up on Google. It's in Beverly Hills, if you're in the L.A. area ever. It's worth the trip. They close at 10. So, you know, make sure you get there a little early, get the Mai Tai, and honestly, get anything on the menu because it is all incredible. But definitely get the Crab Rangoon and the General Chow's Chicken. Excellent. Oh, and the pork fried. Oh, the barbecue pork fried rice is so good. Sure. And it's not even that expensive. And if I may, most Chinese food makes people sick. This is the cleanest Chinese food you've ever eaten in your life. And when I say Chinese food, I mean like American Chinese food. Okay, I don't want to hear about how it's not authentic. I know it's not authentic. We all know it's not authentic. It's 2017. It's still delicious. Okay, I'm done. I'm off my throne. Great. I've got a show. 
<laughs> Tuesday nights with squash at the Magnet Theater. It's fun. <laughs> my name is Russ Fader. Russ, how's the food uh, there, my, though? My, oh, it's delicious. Guys, l- thank you so much for listening. <laughs> thank you. And for enjoying. Yes, Tweet thank you for us. enjoying are, in advance. <laughs> we are we are at Mad About You Pod. Yes, follow us, tweet at us. All the sweepstakes yeah. we've laid out. It's like uh it's like a Las Vegas up in here now. <laughs> exactly. I'm at Russ Fader. I'm at Johnny Marvels, no H. Follow us on Facebook, like us, do all this you know all this stuff. Do everything do everything that everyone else tells you to do on every other podcast. <laughs> ours, all the things that get done. Yeah, ours is mad do about those, you pod do those everywhere. Yeah. That, well, it is. Be- I was just going to say, our music is by John D. Ivy. Our logo is by Mr. Nathan Diffie. And they are the best at what they do. And we are lucky and fortunate to have them. I mean, you said so much stuff now. <laughs> and also, our sound mixing is by Vuk Yovanovich, who's also great. And we're lucky to have him. <laughs> I mean, Russ, I didn't know you were going to give a whole speech. I do that every time. I guess you do. Are we going to sing for their good fellow now? <laughs> All three of them are, though. And this thing would not yeah. be happening without them. So thank you. They are so great. Yeah. Rise, guys, and rise, gals. Thank you so much. We will see you next week. My name is Rusty. I'm John Marbley. And, and this, this is, is what, what we're, we're saying. saying.